spring is in the air and the flowers are starting to bloom and I don't know about you but when I see that first burst of daffodils the yellow it just makes my heart smile me too daffodils love them they totally brighten your day they're full of joy and you can't help but smile I just think it's the most amazing stress buster full of happiness when I think of flowers and flowers I suppose in a way they can express emotions that words just can't convey it's definitely true that flowers are romantic and I also love the creativity that comes with flowers because the colours, the shapes, the textures, the fragrance, just every sense is heightened. And in many ways, flowers are even beyond beauty because they're known to have healing powers. They're used in medicines. They're part of a healthy ecosystem and our biodiversity. Like flowers attract butterflies. They feed the bees. They absorb carbon dioxide from the air through their leaves. They are just magical in so many ways. So we asked our guest today, did she have a special favourite flower? Jesus, my favourite flower. I, I I grew up, my mother was a super gardener and we had 52 rose trees in her front garden. So I grew up with absolutely no appreciation at all for roses. They were just the thing that punctured your football. Or, you know, <laughs> remember the space, the space hoppers that you, we used to have? Yeah, I had no appreciation. You'd be given bunches of roses going to school and, you know, everywhere you went, they were wrapped up in tinfoil to take with you because they're prolific flowers. And then only when she was gone and I started growing roses myself and I realized, God, you know, these are incredible. These are fantastic. You know, they're scented and they're beautiful and they come in every shape and form and color. And, you know, they, they if you get repeat flowers, they flower again and they're just... You know, they're big showy flowers. So who you just heard there is Anna Hogan from Seeking's Flower Farm located in sunny Ballamacoda. In the growing season, you'll find row upon row of beautiful Irish cut flowers, all cultivated from bulbs or seed. Her bunches will be nature inspired, full of romance, colour, fragrance, lots of greens. But it's not just flowers that Anna uses in her bunches. She often complements with aromatic herbs verbena fennel dill mint and this all enhances the beautiful scent so we spoke to anna about her small farm which is set over 1.5 acres with three polytunnels right there's only me doing it so you know i have to be realistic of what i can do Um, i grow sustainably so i don't spray um or use anything like that so um yeah, I mean, it's seasonal flowers, so you start the season probably in spring with your bulbs, you know, your spring bulbs, um, and then it rolls on into uh, the summer, you'll have annuals and you'll have things like, you know, dahlias and roses and all of those things, and then right up to the end of the season ends, okay. about, uh, the cut flower season ends for me, usually the October bank holiday weekend. That's usually kind of the point where you think that's the end of what's flowering. And Anna is also part of the Flower Farmers of Ireland, who are a nationwide network of Irish sustainable flower growers. And this is all part of the floral revolution. It's a powerful movement, mainly driven by female flower farmers connecting with nature, much like the farm to fork movement. And in many ways, it's redefining the global cut flower industry by producing much loved, locally grown, seasonal scented blooms 
and that fresh cut foliage for people who just love flowers to look and smell as if they were picked from the garden that morning. And that was the focus of our conversation today. What is the flower industry like? What is the value of the flower industry to Ireland? How much is imported and how much is locally grown? What is it that sets the Irish flower industry apart? Yeah, so we're going to learn that Irish flower farming is a growing sector in more than the obvious sense in terms of education, public awareness, social farming, pollination and different climate and green matters. We also get a few tips for hobby gardeners like ourselves in starting to grow our own little slices of garden heaven. But first, what is the significance of flowers and why do we feel so connected to them? And I think my understanding is that the relationships between mankind and flowers are going back thousands of years hmm. and that a lot of the science since then has sort of backed up what was, I suppose, an intuitive thing. Um, that flowers related to us on many levels. Now, I mean, obviously the big things about pollination and food sources and all mm. of those things um, are a part of it, but it's much more primal than that. Mm. And there is a belief that before we could produce art um, and understood about things like self-actualization and whatever, that it was a sort of a nature's form of art. I, mm. And by that, I suppose, you know, we would have all, heard of things like Maslow's triangle of human needs, you know, that kind mm. of whole sociology mm -hmm. where you have to meet your base needs and then you can go through, you know, once you're fed and you've got shelter, you move up the line eventually up to things like creative things and self-actualization and music and art mm -hmm. and whatever. So growing flowers are believed to have been the equivalent of that for a primitive man. So okay. it was, yeah. it was art and something kind of speaking to their higher levels, you know. Something in, that would give you joy, when, make you feel good. While you were touching the dinosaurs. So um, <laughs> I think another aspect of it is that it, they reflect our transient nature so that they were used a lot in, in um, life festivals, celebrating life and death because they're a shorter version of our own life cycle. You know, they, they, they're come to seed or they they the seed is dropped you know it, it grows in a very quick way and then it dies and that's mm. again a representation of the life of man so there is mm. that sort of correlation as well but then of course there's all the other reasons um pollination is a huge factor now um we understand it more now it has become a, a massive world kind of emergency i suppose you would say um we mm. when we started um those the process of industrialization and towns and developments and whatever we um destroy the habitats for a lot of pollinating creatures and that has continued mm. and we didn't really understand uh what we were about but now we do because again the science has caught up with it and um it has become an international um emergency and i mean that is a huge flowers have a huge role to play in that sure. so i suppose you know we always think of them or people often think of them as something as an aside to the food issues and all of that, you know, and that mm -hmm. they're not as important. I mean, there are flowers that produce, um, that are a food source from, for many cultures and, um, they're a medicinal source. There's a lot of medicines and, um, even the drugs that we take nowadays come from flowers. I mean, the most 
common one most people would know would be the digitalis from the foxglove which is mm -hmm. a heart treatment drug so there's all of that but um okay i didn't know that actually no yeah no. yeah i mean i wouldn't be nibbling on one they're highly toxic but um yeah they are and they I would thought that <laughs> yeah they are part they're, they really are toxic dangerous yeah very dangerous to to eat but they um yeah they do they do provide um, um medicinal um drug called digitalis which is for heart disease so so yeah i suppose there are some of the reasons why we should kind of take flowers quite seriously flowers. and mm -hmm. celebrate flowers i mean they're kind of hot wired into our thinking in many ways and um then I suppose when you look to Irish flowers, um, why should we be talking about Irish flowers? We should be talking about Irish flowers in a way because they follow the same pathway as the food. You know, we talk about seasonality mm -hmm. and carbon footprint and all of those things and, you know, local, supporting mm -hmm. local growers. You know, those issues are all the same. The flower issue, um, I suppose has never been taken terribly seriously by many people because, you know, they're just flowers and, you know, they're not as important as potatoes and all of these things. I had a discussion with some friend of mine who works in the School of Bees at one stage. Okay. and I was looking for a postgraduate student who might be interested, you know, a botany student who would be looking yeah. for a subject matter for a doctorate. And um, I love this now because it, I think it really makes people think about flowers in the context of everything else so i said you know do you think there's anybody and you're oh no no flowers no nobody be interested you know they're all doing real important things about potatoes or you know or carrots or really whatever, yeah. you know yeah, food, food, food and she was talking about things like the you know the national herd and the dairy industry and all the big kind of agricultural stuff in ireland which were always kind of you know get the headlines and i said yeah i get you totally you know flowers are kind of things for women really and you know men who were in trouble usually and and all of that and um i said you know think of you know any outlet be it your petrol station your mace your spar your little your aldi your tesco's and whatever they do have a fridge with dairy in it less dairy now than there used to be because there's a lot mm -hmm. of competing products but they're plant-based so they will have a fridge and they'll have another fridge with some beef and other things in it they will also each one of them every single one of them will have a stand or a section devoted to flowers. Absolutely. They all have them. Yeah. And that's how serious the industry is. That's how big mm. the industry is. Unfortunately for us, most of those, you know, mace and spars and petrol stations, they're imported flowers. They're not Irish flowers. Mm. Could yeah. be Irish flowers, not for all of the year at the moment um, mm. and not for all of the time, but there could be a proportion of Irish flowers represented there and giving people that choice. So, that is, I think, you know, an important message to think about that, that they're not just something that's out there on the fringe. And mm. and I think then when you look at the international market and the figures for flowers are staggering, which I'm not going mm. to go into all kind of statistics and fairly boring, but the, the, um, the value of the cut flower industry every year is staggering. Value of the mm. Irish cut flower industry is somewhere between 91 and 97 million. Wow. Um, yeah, big amount of money. Wow. Uh, very, very little of that is represented by Irish flowers. I okay. know certainly that um, it's none of that is represented by members of our association, which mm -hmm. would be the kind of we call ourselves, you know, the artisan flower, the people who are growing on small holdings, and that 
there would be some be figure in there for the big commercial growers who are producing, you know, um, daffodils and uh, yes, sunflowers, various things that are more for export. But certainly no one has ever come to any of us and asked us for statistics. So okay. we're not in okay. there. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is that is a big market and it's a growing market. And what's interesting about the is, is if you break that market down into the sort of dynamics of it. 47% of it now is about flowers that are sold for the home. So people are okay. going out there. It's not about birthdays or Christmases or Valentine Day, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. It's about people just buying flowers for their mm -hmm. home. And that kind of comes back again to this self-actualization. They're beautiful, mm -hmm. so people want them. And they yes. want to buy them for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily fulfilling any other role you know it's not because i have to buy a present or i'm visiting somebody in hospital or any of these kind of things they're buying them because they're beautiful and they want to have them for themselves yeah. and yeah. i suppose that's where we've come to as well in a society because we're that little bit more evolved and we, we have more money and we have more choices so mm -hmm. we should be looking at that but then buying irish flowers that's the thing <laughs> you know that's it, see, it seems to me that Irish flowers are the obvious alternative to to imported flowers for so many reasons. I mean, like you're cutting down on those those miles. There's less carbon footprint from that. I guess you're going to have less waste. There's like a million reasons you should support there, Irish flowers. Yeah, there certainly are a million reasons why you should buy them. But I'm a great believer of, uh, in sort of not doing the hair shirt argument. It's like food, you know, and saying to somebody, mm -hmm. you should eat more fiber. You, you try and make the fibre attractive so they want to eat more fibre. Mm. And I suppose the thing about the Irish flower is it's not why we should buy them, um, it's why we would want to buy them. And the reason yes. we want to buy them is that they are intrinsically more beautiful. And the reason they are intrinsically more beautiful is that the qualities that make a flower last longer for the purposes of transportation and storing and all of those things... Um, are the sorry the qualities that make a flower beautiful, um, mm. are the very first qualities that are bred out of them so that they store well and they transport well. And one ah, of the first things okay. would, would be scent. So highly scented yeah. flowers, which are the things that you want, um, the, the scent faster. quality is taken out of them because mm. um, they don't store well. So okay. if you want to have a beautifully scented flower in your home, um, and people do because our sense of smell is our most developed of our mm. senses. So it, it, you know, it evokes memory and uh, so many things which people will constantly tell you when, you know, they smell your mm. flowers and they say, oh, you know, it reminds me of my grandmother's garden or it reminds me of my mother's kitchen or, you mm. know, it reminds me of something growing up or whatever. That is one of the most um, beautiful offerings with Irish flowers yeah. is a sense of smell. Yeah. And then just the look of them because- And the, look, and the variety. Yeah. They're 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 um they're bred as nature, I suppose, intended. They're not uniformed, uh, you know, they're not all the same length, all the same size, they don't look the same, they're quirky. And mm -hmm. that's the personality of them, I suppose. And mm. of course the other the other aspect of it too is that um they you you can have varieties here, you can you can buy Irish flowers in varieties that, that can't be imported. Because okay. their shelf life isn't long enough, or they're too delicate yeah. to transport, mm -hmm. so you'll have varieties of flowers that are grown here 
that you won't find in a floral wholesaler mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or in a, in a supermarket unless it's stocking Irish flowers. Yeah. Mm. That makes perfect and sense. And tell us, what, what is the flower industry like in Ireland? Is there many growers like yourselves? So over 60 of us, which would be small arts and growers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would be, that's the members in our association. And um, we would be, I mean, we're not growing to organic standards because everybody grows differently, but mm-hmm. we are all sustainable. And mm-hmm. even when people come into the association, um, it's always about, you know, that kind of group dyma- dynamic. If you come in and you have been growing conventionally, you know, and spraying and all of that kind of thing, mm-hmm. it's not that there's any kind of hard and fast rule that you're told to stop doing that. But um, you pick up on the group dynamic and the discussions and the talk sure. and you eventually see the benefits of doing it the other way. This and- is exactly the same with neighbor food. It, we, we can't have hard and fast rules because it's evolving all the time and people bring go. in different approaches and many are beyond the approach of organic or many are, are are beyond chemical free where they're actually Jolene and I were chatting to a Korean farmer who's fermenting different things from a woodland nearby which he adds into his soil he is technically adding something another farmer would say add nothing you can't add anything it's about yeah. extracting yeah. and, and mm-hmm. helping your soil bring its best out loads of different approaches that conflict not one wrong not one right huge yeah huge amount mm-hmm. and and I suppose that is the thing that you know is the importance of a community of growers Mm. is that you you pull that information and you share it and you know you're standing on on the shoulders of giants because it saves you that time those Mm. very precious seasons where you don't have to make the mistakes because people Mm. are doing things and you know they're sharing it and i did it this way and this really worked and don't do it Mm. that way and then you, you 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 know you jump those steps ahead and it is that progress which is incredible because I know that in particular, the younger growers are super. The stuff they're doing is just, you know, they're trailblazers. And I look at that, you know, and I've learned so much from them. You know, really? they really are. Um, they're they're amazing. But yeah. Um, so, I mean, you don't have to make a case for Irish flowers because they make the case for themselves. There's a great legal expression, or the thing speaks for itself. They speak for themselves. You just look at them. You don't have to convince anybody. I suppose that our difficulty sometimes is getting that message out there okay. and the educational part of it and the awareness mm. part of it, mm. um, which we're working very hard at. We have our Flower Week every July, Irish Flower Week, where we do mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, um, promoting Irish flowers, you know, showcasing them and you know, the whole education thing around it and mm-hmm. giving people the choice. Um, they're not available all year round, unfortunately. Like mm-hmm. the food, you know, you're not going to get Irish tomatoes in December. They're seasonal, but all the more precious for that, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and you it... can still decorate your home with Irish grown things in winter, you know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. it's about adapting to that. And it's about trying to save beautiful ferns and eucalyptus and other types of bits and pieces are gorgeous in times when there isn't flowers, you know? Well, it's interesting you say that, Jack, because I'm finding when when I do a weddings and, you know, mm-hmm. my initial sort of thinking on the weddings was, you know, I'd be doing weddings between this month and that month because that's going to be the flower season. So if yeah. people come to me um, and they want a wedding outside of that, I, I will have nothing to offer them because I don't import flowers. 
But I'm finding increasingly, you know, a lot of this is dictated by fashion and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. But um, I did a, a wed- wedding this year on Christmas week. I did a wedding, not last year, the year before uh, Christmas week. Um, brides came to me. They said, look, you know, we know what you're about. We're not interested in the big flower thing. Um, we want to stay local and Irish is very important to us. And I sort of said, look, this is what I can offer you. Mm-hmm. This is what I can do for you. I did grow some um, winter flowering narcissi, you know, paper mm-hmm. whites mm-hmm. for Beautiful. one bride. But um, it was mostly foliage, berries, mm-hmm. um, uh, interesting architectural and textured things and mm-hmm. all of that. And it was a beautiful wedding. The people who come to me for weddings uh, know what I'm about. So they come specifically for mm-hmm. that. They want individual Irish flowers. They want um, they want the experience of seeing their flowers growing. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of a hard thing to explain, but if you think of it on the day somebody gets married, you know, there's so much going on. It's a real kind of, you know, a day where you're, you know, the input overload of all the experiences and you're trying to remember. But what I kind of like to offer them is that lead up to mm. it and that mm. even they come down here before the wedding and we go and look at the flowers growing. Useful. And to me, yeah. that's their memory of the flowers, yeah. you know, because, you know, in the course of the day, I'm, I'd be delusional if I thought that it's all about the flowers it's not it's not at all about the flowers you know they're just one very very small part and you know it's lovely you get fabulous messages back and people love them but I mean you you do have to see them in context you know they're only one part of it but that experience coming up to it is very important for me when we make that kind of bond we have the discussions and we share images and ideas and you know we talk about all of that but then when they come down and they can see them growing. Yeah. And that's it. And when you bring somebody into an area in a tunnel, you say, I grew these flowers for you for your oh, wedding. Right. These are your flowers. That's wow. so just, fulfilling, like, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I want them to remember that rather than the day, yeah. you know, than the flowers on the day, because there's more important things than that. Beautiful. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I can offer them. Have you got- Can you tell us a little bit about, um, I suppose, the green matters that come that come with um, Irish farming, and in particular, I'm kind of thinking about um, the bees and the addition that that pollination can give to your garden. I suppose, in yeah. one sense, the garden, but also in the wider sense of the whole country and maybe the All Ireland Pollinator Plan. You're part of that, aren't you? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So the pollination, and again, as I said, you know, this was. This is an issue that is really sort of, you know, become um, on global scale, you know, quite a serious thing. Um, and I suppose you go back, we always think of pollination, we think in terms of the honeybee and the bees and all of that kind of thing. And I mean, obviously, they're not the only pollination things. I don't know if you're following um, um, David Atbar's Green Planet, but he talks, I mean, there's bats that pollinate, there's moths that pollinate, some plants are pollinated at night time, there's a whole mm. other thing there. But he talks mm. about biodiversity, and if you break the chains of biodiversity, you now he was, he was talking in terms of the um, the um, tropical forests, but, mm. you know, so you have forests, and if they make a path through them, certain animals can't get across this, roadway or whatever it is so you're breaking the chains of biodiversity and so if you eliminate the habitat of one animal then you'll see 
crops and flowers and various other things will disappear as well. And that's what biodiversity mm. changes chains are about. So we've had that here in Ireland. Um, and thankfully, we have now the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, which is a, um, a national plan to sort of, again, highlight and raise awareness about all of these things. It's great mm-hmm. because it involves schools and children. And it's an issue really that anybody can take on board. You know, you don't have to be a farmer. You don't have a big tract of land. You can do it anywhere on Mm. a balcony, in a small city garden. There's a whole range of initiatives that you can become involved in um, just Mm -hmm. to be part of the bigger picture. And um, the... The plan is, I think, 2015 it started and it's running to 225. And I think there'll be some sort of handover to um, a new system after that. But there has been tremendous response. And I think particularly the children in the school, really important. It's really important Mm. for them to become aware of these issues and sort of internalize that process when they're looking at land and garden and growing. It's Mm. like the vegetables, teaching our kids to grow their own food. This is part of it. You know, this mm. is very much part of it. Um, mm-hmm. We pay a big part in it because we're providing habitats and we're rebuilding mm. these biodiversity chains by growing flowers. And again, that is the importance of flowers that, you know, may be missed in the general agricultural um, picture because these monoculture um farms where you know you grew a crop or you did this or you did that mm. and you didn't do anything else you specialized in it was very much encouraged for years because people didn't understand the consequences of doing that and mm. that you know it is you know even if you are a conventional farmer and you're growing crops you're doing those things that if you grow additional you know you're familiar with things like companion planting mm. and growing other things next to things and you know in any garden, if you're a vegetable grower, if you grow some um, flowers, it will bring in the pollinators. Um, you probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. heard of the three sisters. This is sort of a real vegetable story. The Native Americans, when they grew vegetables, um, they grew these plants called the three sisters. So you had the corn, which okay. grew upright. And then you had the bean, which grew around the corn. So the bean was supported by the corn. Okay. It also then sort of enhance the corn from a structural point of view to support the corn in the wind. Also, the mm-hmm. uh, on the ground, the squash or, you know, pumpkins or whatever grew. Mm-hmm. So then they spread out on the ground, so they were weed suppressant. And mm-hmm. the um, bean provided nitrogen into the soil to feed the rest of them. But what oh, okay. has left, what's been left out in that story, there was a fourth sister, who, which was the mountain mint, and that was the pollinator. So that brought the insects in. Ah. And that's sort of a story which explains the nature of how things work together. That's amazing. I haven't heard about that before. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really which I haven't heard that story either. That's a nice one. Haven't you? Yeah. It's it's a visual too, like I'm picturing um can I say like an orgy? <laughs> Everything just blended up together. What, what, what a lad thing to say in this conversation! Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm the only guy, the only guy here. I just the only guy the in the room. Children to understand, you see how how things work together, and that's very important. Mm. You know. Mm. So, mm. what what do you see would make up a poll- pollinator friendly garden, um, in your mind? Yeah, well, 
you know, depending, I mean, if, if you're just talking about flowers, there's a lot of flowers that are good pollinators, but the ones that work really well are, the, the you know, if you want to start, you can go and seek out a list of flowers, but the sort of rule of thumb is if you look at flowers that are open in their shape so that the bees can get into them. So say, when you talk about, about bulbs and things like that, think of tulips. Tulips aren't a great pollinator flower because they're long and they're close. The stamens, the pollen and everything is far down into the plant. Ah, so okay. Yeah. Okay. so if you think of other things, say borage, you know, edible flower, right. ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Bit of a tug in the garden, all right, but, you know, pretty as well. So the borage flower, mm. a little blue flower and it's flat mm. so the bee can get mm. in there easily. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. When you're, I mean, at, of course. there's a lot of flowers that are uh, are good pollinators, but that is if if you're not sure, look at the shape of the flower, and that will tell mm. you. If it's very yeah. complex yeah. and it's closed up and these kind of things, it may be scented, it may be all of those things, but it's difficult for the insects to get into. So mm. yeah, look at the ones that the insects um, can get into easily. And, yeah, and that's usually a good pollinator, yeah. Okay, I was looking actually at that uh, document just before we went on um, to have the chat and they gave some nice tips for every month of the year. So the advice for March actually is um, to avoid cut, cutting your lawn because there's loads of dandelions and they're flowering at this time right. of year and are also um, really super foods for the pollinators. The dandelions so are wonderful, yeah. And another thing, yeah. in the winter wintertime, um, we, we had a great... Um, is is ivy ordinary mm. wild ivy and we had a great um tendency to tidy up our gardens years ago and people were tearing ivy off the walls and off the oh, you I know love the ivy. Well, i love it as well but in the yeah. winter it's a huge source of food for the bees because if you know right yeah. in the middle of the winter in december now and that you'll see it's full with flowers yeah um and often people don't look at the flowers on ivy but the, there's and actually there's a scent from them as well yeah, so you'll yeah. have lots of flowers on it and then it'll turn into berries so mm -hmm. it's a fabulous source of food mm -hmm. for um for the bees could you could you um give, give a bit of advice maybe to a home gardener who enjoys um some flowers what should uh what should i grow um at home to produce a nice garden and that i can pick some nice flowers from That's okay a so difficult you, question now yeah well no it's not it's not i mean i think the most important thing with starting with anything vegetables flowers cooking the same is to um find something that you can do easily that will give you a sense of achievement and mm. that you feel it's a success mm. um it's like people who knit you know when people when kids are learning to knit when i was a child they always said start with a scarf which was the worst mm. project to start anyone knitting with because it goes on forever you know you're knitting forever and you never get to the end of it <laughs> so you give somebody a piece of information a, a, an independent block of information that they can work on so you find seeds that are going to germinate easily yeah. So I think great ones, if you want to talk, talk about the pollination and you want to talk about edible stuff and whatever, would be something like calendula seeds. So that's what okay. they call a hot marigold. Mm -hmm. yeah. They are foolproof to grow. Sunflowers, mm -hmm. fantastic mm -hmm. things to grow. If you want to do a growing project with children or in a community garden or something like that, these are all ones where you get huge or huge germination success. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. big seeds, they're easy to handle, and they nice. will they will 
Germany. They fly up. They fly up. And then what you have, I mean, if you want to talk about a biodiverse garden, you'll have sunflowers that will look incredible. I mean, they're just, they're they're like alchemy or magic or something. I don't know. I don't think you'll ever get over them. They're just pure joy to see. They are just. And then you'll have the flowers look at, and then you'll have the seeds. And if you leave them out for the winter, the birds will, you know, feed off them right through the winter. So you're providing a source of food. Um, and this is then, as I said, how you rebuild these biodiversity chain chains. You start putting food back okay. into the garden. Have you ever seen the, the so, hung- Hungarian sunflower? A Hungarian sunflower? I don't think so. No, they're beautiful. Oh, it's, it's worth a Google. I would say Google. beautiful. They're the Frankenstein of flower that I've ever seen. It's the the seed kind of pot, uh, base, the central part, the black yeah. part, is uh, probably about three feet yeah. wide. So we're talking like sh- the shoulder, my shoulder width kind of. Yeah. And then the yellow leaves mm-hmm. are about an extra foot out. It's about five feet wide, the, the flower head. Terrifying. And a good mm. three meters high there. Yeah, worth a look. Have a Google. I, I certainly will. I'd be looking for. This is what happens now. So I'd be looking for seeds looking for, for those. Seeds. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm down every rabbit hole. Back, you know, <laughs> it comes to flowers. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, you're clearly quite quite a creative person. Anyway, as we can see from your house and the beautiful flowers and everything you've got in the back or in there. When it comes to that creativity, um, how how did how did that come about for you? Like, what is it that kind of started you on that journey, and what is it that makes you um, keep doing it um so before I grew flowers and grew well I mean I always grew flowers but before I did it did, you know did it as a business um I I worked in law I was a solicitor oh, um, okay yeah but um my actual real training is I trained as a designer and that's my ah, real passion law, okay. law was to pay the bills yeah so um yeah, so I trained um, in design and um, I studied art history as well in UCC. So mm-hmm. law was here in the centre, which was the thing that made the money and paid the bills. Mm. But really, the other things, the design was really what fed the brain, I suppose you might say. Yeah. No, um, Anna, what I, what I wanted to say, Anna, was my experience with your flowers, because I knew you before you started growing flowers and then um you mentioned to, to, to me that you were starting and, and you were coming up with stuff and this was mm. when you were in your previous farm mm. you've moved, oh, yeah, you've, yeah. Moved, you've moved since then so yeah. you arrived up and you started supplying into neighbor food like three or four years ago with these bunches and at least half of the bunch would dry and remain while oh yeah yeah so the idea was that you would buy mm. a new bunch every week but you didn't even need to you could buy one every two weeks because your flowers Mm. last 10 times longer than any other flowers that you'll buy imported ones because they're so much fresher and then the um you're adding to it each week and it's just it's kind of getting bigger and evolving and changing while other things dry and I really loved that idea it felt way more connected with a season in a way do you still do that or have you any thoughts on our advice on I I do I do because I've I've a slightly different approach in in say w- with flowers for for market and things like that because I think when people mm. are buying flowers to take home themselves, mm-hmm. um, 
I like the idea that they get involved in the process. There's a bit of like what they used to call mm. food empathy. Well, this is flower empathy. So I like to give them the stuff that they have. You know, it's not a mm. finished bouquet. That's why I often kind of leave things long in that mm. um, so that they can do their own arranging and they can use stuff that they mm. may want to bring in from their own garden are um, stuff that they may have from last week. So it's not like sort of getting something that's all arranged mm. and you just take off the paper and put it into a vase and there you go. But do you know I what? Even if you did want to do that, that never works because your vase is never <laughs> suitable. Do you ever notice that for the flowers you get, you always totally. end up having to split it up or rearrange it or swap it between three because it's too big. Or yeah. I, th- I think as well that, you know, the more people handle something and get involved in the process and people often, I get messages from people asking me the names of things and what's that and this and that. And I mean, people do the coolest thing on Instagram. From say for example of neighbor food, Jack, I'd get a lot of um pictures on Instagram um mm. shared with me. Yeah. In my flowers at home, yeah. you know, and they've taken yeah. a picture of them and whatever. And I love <laughs> and that. You're like, you wrecked it. No, you can't. You <laughs> can't. That's the joy of no, art and design of flowers. No, you're right. It, it is. It's 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 a different thing. And I know that say like what I would call florist flowers, not being critical, but you know, mm. people want that. They want that arranged thing. Hmm. where I want people to be involved in the process. You know, the way they used to say, like with markets and various things, people want to come up if they're, yeah. if you're selling them food or you're selling them vegetables, they want to chat with you about it. Hmm. Um, they want mm-hmm. to, maybe they want to know how it's made or how it's grown or, sure. or you know, how could they grow it themselves? And I'd never be fearful of that. I can give people, hmm. this, you know, I know that there's maybe a theory out there that like, <laughs> oh, you wouldn't share your recipes with people. You know, you know, they, they might make it once. That's about it. You know, they still will come back and, you know, buy your yeah. stuff. But it's the mm. process and that kind of connection with people as opposed to just a product mm. that they're buying, you know. Mm. And I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always loved the education piece of buying flowers from you as well, because you're not really choosing, obviously, particular. But you do from time to time. So you had those what are they called dragon snaps snapdragons snapdragons yeah they were incredible but like you 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 generally will send sell a bouquet and it's it's kind of a little bit of a discovery along Mm. the way and following with the seasons which is really really nice can I ask you a question so one thing I've discovered which to be honest has blown my mind as you know I emigrated three years ago and I live in Italy and my kind of way in which I think about food but also the way in which I think about Irish food I'm actually writing an article about it at the moment for a magazine but the way I think about Irish food now has changed so mm. much since I came here. Mm. And one of the things that I've discovered is that we in Ireland believe this myth, or I certainly believe this myth, that because of the weather that we have, we can't have the best produce. Oh, listen. I completely naively thought that when, in fact, I now live in a place where you cannot grow flowers in the oh, summer okay. because they scorch and die. You bring in a lot of things into shaded areas you have to keep things you have to get them out of the sun because it's so vicious and so dry and it's for such a long period of the day um and also then in the winter we have really biting frosts and freezing so a lot of things go so there are very few periods of time where things actually grow well here and the main thing that that completely blew my mind from that is with food and we use the example of an apple Mm. apples in ireland are absolutely incredible northern france was always considered the best for apples The reality is it's far better in the UK and it's far better in Ireland. And the reason is lower temperatures allow it to grow slower Mm -hmm. and the plentiful water, consistent supply of sun without too much sun actually Mm. produces 
a better mm. apple, slower is better. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. The longer it's allowed to grow, the better it is. Do you find the same is with the flower? How does that affect flowers grown in Ireland? Yeah. If you were to say, take something that grows well in a lot of different countries, does it grow slower? Does it last longer after it's been cut? It's it's that that is a very very interesting point because um, there are there's no doubt about it. We haven't explored the extent of the possibilities of the of the flower um, mm-hmm. uh, industry in Ireland. And think of it in these terms. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the same moderate mm-hmm. maritime climate as Holland. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They have half the land mass that we have. Mm-hmm. We're virtually mm-hmm. literally twice the size of Holland. Mm-hmm. And yet they're the, they're mm-hmm. the biggest flower producer in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of the flowers we associate with Holland are flowers that come through the markets mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily grown there. But I mean, Holland controls yes. the flower market, let's face it. Mm-hmm. So we have the same climate here. It is just a mindset, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. about how we look at things. And there are flowers that would be eminently suitable mm-hmm. to grow in an Irish climate. Okay. And we don't grow any of them. And they grow them, for example, in the... Uh, and I'm going to say these flowers now and you're going to go, oh, God, you know. But they're not the ones you see okay. in the petrol stations. There are other varieties of them. Chrysanthemums, mm-hmm. right? Not the mm-hmm. horrible, you know petrol station version mm-hmm. but there are beautiful chrysanthemums that look mm-hmm. like dahlias and our climate here is perfectly suited to them mm-hmm. okay. absolutely we don't grow them at all and in fact since breaks that came about we are finding huge problems in getting our hands on plugs for them because we right. can't import them from britain we can't import anything mm-hmm. from britain now Brit- yeah mm-hmm. now that may resolve itself and they make I, I don't know but all the britain supplies seed um even um um, what you call it? Tools, uh, seed tools, tube, uh, daily tubers, chrysanthemum plugs, a whole range, a whole big load of stuff, and the British market mm. is closed entirely to us. So mm. we're going elsewhere. Now that's not a bad thing either. But what I'm hoping will come out of it, and I'm hoping even our members, some of it, will look mm. at the opportunities yeah. to start producing these things here. And that we could say, okay, we grow Irish chrysanthemums and we not only grow them as a cut flower and as potted plants for the garden centres and whatever, but we'll do plugs for people who mm. want to grow them themselves, the, the, the flower farmers or whatever. There's a whole um, business mm. opportunity out there in mm. that. Seeds the same. We've got Seedaholics. Um, we're fantastic in Sligo. Brilliant seed supplier. But they're not enough now to supply the Irish market, okay. you know? Yeah. We can't get any of the, the, all the big seed suppliers are in the UK. We can't import from them. So there's a whole, definitely a whole kind of a a cohort of flowers out there that we haven't looked at that could be grown here, could be grown here on field scale, grow very well here. They may need a bit of um, protection at various times of the year, but that's fine. But I mean, for example, um, peonies, that's one of the flowers now that are starting, they're starting to grow them here commercially. They Mm. grow peonies in Alaska. Wow. Now, if you can okay. grow them in Alaska, you can grow them in Ireland. You can grow them as a crop to sell, as a business, you know, not just a yeah. couple in your garden, but you can actually, you know, make a living. And this is what we'd like to see, people making a mm-hmm. living out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. And, and what do you think we need for this um, flower industry to grow? What what kind of support do you think um, we can give and growers need for this? We need, we need, yeah. We need the um, the sciences and the big agricultural bodies to look 
at fl the flower industry. I mean, the figures are there. I mean, the figures I quoted you are from Board Bia. Sure. So we need them to then turn around and look at replacing some of the import market and supporting Irish growers um, and, and having the crop mm -hmm. here. And there's research to be, you know, to be looked at. Um, there's feasibility studies to be done, all of these kind of things. But it's um, it's just that mind shift, mm -hmm. you know, of taking yeah. flowers seriously and saying there's, you know, this is potentially business and income for people. And I mean, I don't know if you're producing a report whereby it says this is the value of an industry, why you can't look at the fact that some of this could be translated into Irish growers. You know, this could be part of our business. Yeah. And that's yeah, even yeah. putting aside all the issues like climate change Absolutely. and carbon footprint. I mean, they're all excellent ideas anyway, but just from the point of view of providing, mm. um, you know, business opportunities. So one of the other things you're, you're doing as the Irish Flowers Association is social farming. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so... Social farming is is this in, interesting initiative. Um, it goes on in all, all sorts of places. Um, Ireland became involved in two thousand and six, um, but the program really didn't get up and running until much later than that. That was a sort of you know projects and um, analysis more than uh, practical application. It's big in Italy, um, mm. in Holland. Um, they call it the Green Initiative or the Green Green Farming in the Scandinavian countries. Okay, so it's about you'd be familiar with the concept of heart therapy so it's a little bit like that but it's not heart therapy so it's providing the ordinary i suppose opportunity for participants to come on to a farm hmm. not just a flower farm any type of farm and agricultural holding and experience the day of doing that ordinary activities that you do okay. so the type of participants you might have would be um, very much broad spectra, uh, spectrum so you could have people who maybe have uh, physical challenge challenges of some nature and um, mental health uh, mental health issues okay. um, people who are recovering from addiction um, people in the probation services a whole range of people who may benefit from being in a sort of a rural environment and uh, engaging in the whole kind of you know outside activities so um, flower farmers, quite a number of flower farmers are doing it and providing um, this opportunity for people and it's very beneficial mm -hmm. um, again, what I spoke about earlier about the science coming in and confirming what we recognised intuitively um, was that they now know that working with the soil and touching the soil and you know mm -hmm. being involved in the soil um, in increases your levels of serotonin mm -hmm. Because there is a, um, a component in the soil called, what is it again now, Macrobacterium vasasi, I think, or something like that. And this interacts with your body chemistry and makes you increase your serotonin okay. levels. So this science now to bear up the fact that, you know, gardening makes you feel better and it is therapeutic. So, um, yeah, so that's an initiative which... Um, is being very positively responded to by the Irish flower farmers and everybody gets a lot out yeah, of it. I bet. Everybody I bet. gets a lot out. Okay. That's that's a mm. really great initiative actually, yeah. Uh, and it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? For everybody. It's 
But I, I think just being it's outdoors being... in the fresh air, as you said, like yeah. literally putting your hands into the earth, like getting that appreciation of something mm-hmm. growing, it absolutely changes your your yeah. mental attitude for for the better. Like it just gives you such an elated feeling, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like being outdoors is very therapeutic. Yeah. But I think as well, it's the notion that people can progress in what is a non-clinical environment. Mm. Um, like a lot of participants in these courses are spend quite a lot of time in clinical environments where a lot of decisions are made mm. for them, uh, which you know is important, obviously, in all of that. But this is the ordinary, everyday mm. life. And that's an experience which they may not have that much mm. of, you know, for whatever reason. So that's the real benefit as well. And the kind of things a lot of us would take for granted, you know, they, um, they wouldn't be challenges to us. They mm. wouldn't be seen as achievements to us, but they can be to somebody else, yeah. you know, mm. that they, they overcome some, um, some minor thing. They learn some skill. They learn how to do something. And I think that's really, you know, to go away with that sense of, mm. of accomplishment is very important. So that was it. That was Anna Hogan from Seeking's Flower Farm and the Flower Farmers of Ireland. It's it's really nice to get an insight into that whole world and in that whole industry. In a way, it's like really positive. I have to say, from my own experience with Neighbour Food when we started, I, I had no idea how many flower growers there were in Ireland. Yeah, and I also amazing. feel like we kind of introduced our audience to it as well. Having not known it, I didn't really know anything about it. And they're just a last so long in your house they smell 10 times better they're more interesting they're more beautiful they change you go back to the same grower you just ask for a bunch mm. and it's just changing all the time as the season goes on it's really it's really interesting yeah they are so beautiful so you can fo- you can follow the network on the flowerfarmersofireland.ie and also check out their Instagram account that's pretty interesting because every week they are taken over by a different member so it's fun to see what's growing around the country and they are at flower farmers ireland all right guys that's it for this week thank you so much for listening and happy spring don't forget to subscribe